Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stocks drop as the Fed continues its aggressive battle against inflation. The Bank of England is set to deliver its biggest rate increase in 33 years. Massive job cuts may be coming at Twitter. And China locks down the world's largest iPhone factory. The man accused of shooting two Newark police officers has been arrested. Plus, President Biden warns voters democracy is at stake in the midterm. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanchel in sports. Baseball history. The Astros with a combined no-hitter on the Phillies to tie the World Series. The Knicks lost to the Hawks. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are falling this morning. We're coming up to 6.01 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 5 points, Dow futures down 26, NASDAQ futures down 24. The 10-year Treasury down 20, 30 seconds, yield 4.18%, and the yield on the two-year, 4.70%. Nathan. Karen, we begin with the Fed-fueled sell-off on Wall Street. The S&P 500 suffered its worst route on a Fed decision. Day since January 2021, the index plunged two and a half percent. As expected, the Fed did raise rates 75 basis points for a fourth straight time, but stocks sold off during Jay Powell's news conference. The Fed chair made it clear more rate hikes are coming. It is very premature to be thinking about pausing. So people, when they hear lags, they think about about a pause. It's very premature, in my view, to 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 think about or be talking about pausing our rate hike. We we have we have a ways to go. Our policy. We need ongoing rate hikes to get to, um, to to that level. The move by Jay Powell and the Fed lifts the benchmark to a three and three quarter to four percent range from nearly zero in March. Well, Nathan, reaction poured into the Fed, keeping its aggressive tone. Scott Minard is chief investment officer at Guggenheim. The message is loud and clear. You know, we're going to keep raising rates until we get price stability, and that's probably going to go into 2023. And Guggenheim's Scott Miner said the Fed may raise rates significantly higher than the 5 to 5.5% markets are expecting in the first half of next year. We also cut up with BlackRock Senior Portfolio Manager Jeffrey Rosenberg. The Fed does not want to see a replay of what we saw in July. It does not want to see premature financial condition easing on the signs of any Fed pivot. BlackRock Senior Portfolio Manager Jeffrey Rosenberg's sentiments were echoed by former Philadelphia Fed President Charles Plosser. They know they can't, they can't just stop because it won't work. It's historical experience teaches us that. So um, they don't have much choice if they really want to commit to lowering inflation. 
Former Philadelphia Fed President Charles Plosser made the comments in an interview with Bloomberg's Kathleen Hayes. And that carrying the focus on monetary policy turns to Europe. The Bank of England's expected to deliver its biggest rate increase in 33 years. We get a preview from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts in London. Another day, another jumbo rate hike. A 75 basis point increase in the key UK interest rate is now almost fully priced in by money markets. That would take the base rate from two and a quarter to three percent, the highest since 2008 and the biggest single hike since 1989. Governor Andrew Bailey will give a press conference shortly after the announcement, which comes at midday. Investors will also be watching out for the bank's reports on the economic outlook, likely to confirm a recession is now underway. A lot has changed since the last forecast at the beginning of August. Beefed up government support for household energy bills will restrain inflation over the winter. After April, the government is yet to set out a plan. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thanks. In Asia, China has locked down the world's largest iPhone factory. And Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. China is not playing games with COVID-0. Authorities swooped in and put the zone around the Zhengzhou Foxconn plant off limits. It's the last thing that Apple needed or that Foxconn wanted given the upcoming holiday season. First, a COVID outbreak, then an enforced quarantine, and then an exodus of workers. They literally walked 20 miles to get home or to a train. Some 200,000 people work here. It's a stark reminder of the dangers for Apple in a COVID-0 mindset. The lockdown runs until November 9th, but it could go longer. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Brian, thank you. In corporate news, big job cuts are on the way at Twitter. Bloomberg News has learned new owner Elon Musk plans to eliminate about half the social media company's workforce. That's about 3,700 jobs. We get more from Ed Ludlow in our Bloomberg 960 newsroom in San Francisco. Sources say that's the plan. The, the layoff list will be confirmed Friday, and those affected will be informed. We kind of knew this was coming right. We reported over the weekend that managers across product teams had been asked to draw up a list of candidates that would reduce headcount by 50%. Um, uh, You know, and, and Musk is making his mark on this company. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow says Musk also intends to reverse the company's existing work from anywhere policy, asking remaining employees to report to offices. And Nathan, job cuts may also be on the way at Morgan Stanley. Reuters is reporting the financial firm will start layoffs globally in the coming weeks. Well, several stocks are on the move this morning, Karen, following earnings. Shares of Qualcomm right now are down more than 7%. The company delivered a far weaker forecast than expected. We get the details from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Qualcomm is the biggest maker of smartphone processors, and it says revenue will be $9.2 to $10 billion in the fiscal first quarter. Now that compares with an average analyst estimate of $12 billion. The outlook suggests that the slumping market for consumer devices is eroding even faster than expected. Even before the report, the stock was down 38% this year, hurt by concerns that smartphone demand was on shaky ground. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. Some other movers this morning. Shares of Altius USA down more than 23%. The broadband and video services providers' earnings missing analyst estimates. Shares of Roku down 20%. The maker of set-top boxes consumers used to watch streaming services forecast a wider-than-expected fourth-quarter loss. And shares of Etsy up 10%. The online marketplace for crafts and vintage items posted third-quarter revenue and gross merchandise sales that topped analyst estimates. Straight ahead, we have your latest local head Headlines plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. 
Thank you, Karen. 607 on Wall Street, 54 degrees in Central Park. An overturned vehicle has northbound Nichols Road closed between Furrows Road and the LIE. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Authorities say they got him. A two-day manhunt ended in Newark, New Jersey, with the arrest of the suspect, who police say shot two officers Tuesday. Police arrested 30-year-old Kendall Howard yesterday, the suspect in the shooting of the two officers while they were serving a warrant. SWAT storming a Newark apartment building, going door-to-door until they found him and brought him out. Essex County Acting Prosecutor Ted Stevens says Howard will face charges. Mr. Howard has been charged with two counts of attempted murder, of North police officers. Prosecutor Ted Stevens says the injured officers are hospitalized in stable condition. The convicted shooter in the Parkland, Florida high school massacre has been sentenced. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports. Nicholas Cruz sentenced for each of the students. Count 17 for the murder in the first degree of Peter Wang. The court imposes a mandatory life sentence without the possibility of parole. Judge Elizabeth Scherer handing down 17 Life sentences connected to the students involved. Those sentences are to be run consecutively, so 17 lifetimes. In total, there were 34 sentences. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. With the midterm elections just five days away, President Biden is warning about political violence. In a speech last night, Biden said voters are choosing between democracy and extremism and pointed the finger directly at former President Trump. American democracy is under attack because the defeated former president of the United States refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election. President Biden then linked violence at the Capitol on January 6th to the recent attack on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband. Former President Donald Trump has settled a lawsuit filed by a group of protesters who say they were roughed up by the Republicans' private security guards during his 2015 presidential campaign. The two sides settled as a jury was being selected in a New York courtroom for a civil trial. Details of the settlement were not divulged. The lawsuit alleges Trump's bodyguards attacked him outside his Manhattan skyscraper in September of 2015 as they protested negative comments Trump made about Mexico and Mexican immigrants. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. 609 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. Astros and Phillies. Game four of the World Series the night after the Phillies won with a shutout. The Astros had a shutout, and that's not all they had. And the pitch from Presley. A swing and a ground ball to third. Bregman has it. The throw to first, and that'll do it. The Astros even up the World Series with a 5 to nothing win tonight. And four of their pitchers combined to no hit. The Philadelphia Phillies as Presley finishes off what Christian Javier started. ESPN had the call. Houston scored all the game's five runs on five hits in the fifth inning. The Phillies could not touch Javier, who's on an amazing roll, allowed only one hit in that start versus the Yankees in the ALCS. In Javier's last six starts covering 34 innings, he has not allowed a run. He's never allowed more than two hits. The only previous World Series no-hit of Don Larson's perfect game, 1956. Pivotal game five tonight. Houston's Justin Verlander still seeking his first World Series win. He's 0-6. The ex-Met Noah Syndergaard starts for the Phils. The game will be played while the NFL teams from Houston and Philly 
also need at the guard. Knicks led Atlanta by 23 and then trailed by 19. Got outscored 79 to 37. The Hawks won 112-99, led by offseason pickup DeMonte Murray. Scored a career-high 36 points. The Nets and Kyrie Irving jointly announced both will donate $500,000 to anti-hate causes. Irving last Saturday somewhat doubled down on that posting of an anti-Semitic video. He has now released a statement that said, he takes responsibility, meant no harm, opposes all forms of hatred. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. S&P futures now down nine points. Dow futures down 57. NASDAQ futures lower by 34 points. The 10-year Treasury down 23, 30 seconds. Now the yield 4.19%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow, and this update's brought to you by Cone Resnick Advisory Assurance Tax. Before ESG reshaped private equity investing, Cone Resnick helped clients recognize the opportunities. Learn more at ConeResnick.com. Futures lower this morning, but S&P futures down 14 points. Dow futures down 100. NASDAQ futures down 50. And the 10-year Treasury down 23.30 seconds. Yield 4.19%. The yield on the two-year, 4.73%. NYMEX crude oil down 1.5% on $1.30. At $88.65 a barrel. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden asked voters to consider the future of democracy when they vote in the next midterm elections next week. During last night's speech, Biden urged voters to reject Donald Trump's big lie, denying his 2020 defeat that fueled political extremism and violence. Christian Javier and the Astros' bullpen combined for just the second no-hitter in World Series history. Houston won Game 4 against the Phillies 5-zip to even the series at two games apiece. The NFL's Washington Commanders could be soon for sale. Owners Dan and Tanya Snyder say that they have hired Bank of America Securities to consider potential transactions. In the NBA, the Knicks and Celtics lost. The Wizards won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. It is 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak as we continue to get market reaction to the Fed decision and await the next move from the Bank of England. We're joined this morning by Bloomberg opinion columnist Marcus Ashworth. Marcus, good morning. So we got a lot of changes to the Fed statement. Obviously, Chairman Powell now saying rates could go higher than previously expected, though the pace could slow soon. Does anything really change given that the market has been starting to price in slower rate moves from the Fed? Um, it's a difficult one to answer, but it, it, it does, things have changed and perceptions change, but the actual reality is no, not a lot has changed in the sense that rates are higher. Uh, I mean, Powell, I'm mean, looking from afar, I actually think, uh, I know he catches quite a lot of flack, um, perhaps, uh, stateside, but, you know, as far as handling the markets and expressing what they're up to and why, he does a far better job, I think, than, than anyone in Europe, uh, UK or whatever it, it does by comparison. So, you know, slower, 
higher, longer is the three-word synopsis. But, you know, he switched the debate from this sort of short, sharp, get the rate hikes in early to, you know, you're going to have higher rates for a longer period, but we're not going to go at it quite as mad. I think the Bank of England's uh, recent uh, having to step in and defend the gilt market is clearly reverberating through the Fed thinking. But they're not... They've not changed their approach in, in, in the broader sense. They've just gone about it in, in, in a different way and signaled that markets to the markets very effectively. Obviously, we saw initial reactions to this, with wording change. Uh, they're right to note this cumulative tightening will have some kicking effect. However, they managed to switch the debate straight back to take away from what would ruin it all, which is markets expressing this pivot and, and loosening financial conditions, which is exactly what the Fed doesn't want to happen. Very skillful, I think. You raise the question there, I think, of Fed credibility. Obviously, a lot of people think that the Fed lost credibility with the talk of the, the T word that we no longer say about inflation. Has the Fed started to gain back some of its credibility with the tightening path that it's set out here? I think so. I mean, I mean, to my mind, I think they've been handling it very well. The big difference here is that a lot of people may say that too many Fed speakers and, and whatever, but they are all pretty much in unison with each other. And that's, again, the other thing. You don't get that sense from other Bank of England or OECB that everyone's on the same page. Whereas the Fed, we do. Now, we know Daly said a couple of slightly more moderate things, very not possibly as well. But really, it's pretty mild. Uh, and I think that they're showing a united response. And clearly how Powell has phrased it uh, last night was, was, I think, you know, a masterclass. Well, what's the policy path going to do for the economy? I think now the the debate turns to whether the Fed's going to be able to achieve a soft landing with this uh, kind of tightening and raising the possibility of slower hikes now, while at the same time we're still seeing this tightness in the labor market. Yeah, I mean, I think you're, 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 I'm spot on there. But the point is 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 that what, what Powell has basically moved away from is a soft landing and basically saying there's going to have to be a recession. What he's trying to say is we are not going to go out this hard to break things, as clearly things that broke in the U.K. We don't want that. We see and hear the worries and wobbles in, in the U.S. Treasury market in particular. That's why it's going to be slower, but longer, but probably higher. But I'm not sure it will be higher, but the point is, is he's having to have his, his cake and eat it, as we often say over here, because he's managed to get the effect he wanted, which is to keep bond yields high and not see financial conditions loosen or the stock market to go all of a sudden on a tear thinking that it's all over and the rates the rate hiking's turned because that's not what he wants. He wants to keep the market on edge, on point for as long as possible. And when they're ready to slow things down and when they're ready to possibly stop hiking, it'll be on the Fed's terms. And that, I think, is, is pretty good. But unfortunately, the, the meaning of that is probably that there will be some form of recession in the U.S. Only about a minute left here and about 37 minutes before the Bank of England decision. You kind of set out the challenge here for the policymakers. What are you looking for? I think they have to do 75 just because the ECB's done 75, the Fed's done 75. Last time around, they went and went 50. They caught a lot of flack from it. Obviously, the world of other problems came in. But I don't think they've got much uh, room to or, or desire to do anything other than 75. There's a risk of 50. They're going to have to justify that, though. But again, I think they probably will be slightly more dovish on the back end as far as how high rates will go from here. And just quickly, does the chaos of Rishi Sunak picking up the pieces from Liz Truss play into today's decision for the BOE? I'm going to say no. It shouldn't do. There's plenty of other reasons. I think that's why they want to do 75, to make sure that they're sending a message that they are in control and they're doing what they think is, is needed to be on inflation. And the fiscal side, now they can relax a bit on 
but it doesn't. It, it means they can focus, therefore, away from the fiscal concerns, solely on the monetary uh, ways of keeping control on inflation. Great to talk with you this morning, Marcus. Thanks for this. Marcus Ashworth, columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Find his stuff, N.I. Ashworth. Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. All our opinion pieces are on OPIN Go and at Bloomberg.com slash opinion. Looking ahead to the market open this morning, Wall Street uh, moving lower after the route yesterday following uh, Chairman Powell's comments. S&P futures are down 16 points. Dow futures down 108. NASDAQ futures are lower by 57 points. Ten-year Treasury is down 23.30 seconds, a yield of 4.19% on the benchmark. Two-year yield now at 4.72%. British pound ahead of the BOE decision, 1.1245 against the dollar. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by Anshin Accountants and Advisors, the right fit tax and accounting firm that you need to succeed Visit them at Anshin.com slash VIP to learn more. That's Anshin.com slash VIP. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. IBKR Event Trader offers a new way to trade futures. Use event contracts to trade your opinion on yes or no questions in key CME futures markets. Learn more at eventtrader.interactivebrokers.com. Up first, U.S. futures are lower after a hawkish Fed led to a Wall Street sell-off yesterday. As expected, the central bank raised interest rate 75 basis points, but stocks sold off when Fed Chair Jay Powell made clear monetary tightening still has a ways to go. We still have some ways to go, and incoming data since our last meeting suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates will be higher than previously expected. The move by Jay Powell and the Fed lifts the benchmark to a 3.75% to 4% range from nearly zero in March. Well, reaction poured into the Fed's aggressive tone, Karen. iCapital Chief Investment Strategist Anastasia Amoroso says traders are left with an uncertain path ahead. Initially, the markets got what they wanted, which is it seems like we are going to slow the path of rate increases. But then in the same breath, Fed Chair Powell mentioned that we have ways to go before we actually can pause. And that's what's really unsettled the markets. The hope going into it is that we can maybe start to see the beginning of the end of the tightening cycle. We cannot draw that conclusion right now. Anastasia Amoroso with iCapital says economic indicators show the chances of a recession around 50 percent. Well, Nathan, former Philadelphia Fed President Charles Plosser says the probability of the Fed achieving a soft landing may be slimmer. The Fed could be very lucky and achieve a sort of somewhat soft landing. It's a very fine needle, and it'll take a lot of luck, not just a policy decision, but luck to achieve that at this point. Former Philadelphia Fed President Charles Plosser says Jay Powell should still consider another 75 basis point hike at next month's FOMC meeting. Well, monetary policy is focus over in Europe, Karen. And uh, next hour, the Bank of England's expected to deliver its biggest rate increase in 33 years. 
Well, over in Asia, Nathan, China locked down the world's largest iPhone factory in Zhengzhou area to cut COVID spread. The lockdown is expected to last until next week. In time, Bloomberg News has learned Elon Musk plans to eliminate about half of Twitter's workforce, about 3,700 jobs. And job cuts may also be on the way at Morgan Stanley. Reuters is reporting the financial firm will start layoffs globally in the coming weeks. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Futures this morning are moving lower. And straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 633 on Wall Street, 53 degrees now in Central Park. Got an accident, uh, southbound New York State Thruway before the Spring Valley tolls. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The man who authorities said wounded two Newark police officers as they attempted to serve a warrant was taken into custody yesterday. Kendall Howard, who is 30, is charged with the attempted murder of the two officers. State Attorney General Matt Platkin provided an update on the officer's shot. I had the opportunity to visit with them last night. Uh, thank God they are recovering and will recover. A.G. Platkin and authorities say one officer was shot in the leg and the other was shot in the neck Tuesday. With just days to go before major midterm elections, President Joe Biden is imploring voters to save American democracy. Biden brought up ultra-mega Republicans and mounting concerns over political violence. I believe the voices excusing or calling for violence and intimidation are distinct minority in America, but they're loud and they are determined. Last night's speech came a few days after a man seeking to kidnap House Speaker Nancy Pelosi severely injured her husband, Paul Pelosi, in their San Francisco home. Meanwhile, New Jersey's governor says it will be a tough fight in the midterm elections. Governor Phil Murphy. You've got the normal reality of a midterm election with an incumbent party in the White House. So you begin in in a tough place, and then you add to that recovering from a pandemic, inflation, affordability. It won't make the races any easier. Governor Murphy made his comments with David Weston on Bloomberg's balance of power. Former President Trump asked a Florida court to shield some of his wealth from the New York Attorney General, who has filed a $250 million civil lawsuit against Trump and his family. Trump's civil lawsuit, filed in a Florida court, is laden with grievances about A.G. Letitia James and her investigation of his business. He accused her of making repeated attempts to steal, destroy, or control all things Trump. Get your lottery tickets out. It's time to play America's favorite jackpot game. This is Powerball. The bad news is you didn't win the big one, but the good news is no one else did either. Nobody hey. hit the ma- <laughs> nobody hit the magic of life-changing numbers to win the $1.2 billion Powerball jackpot. That means, Nathan, the next yeah. jackpot Saturday is estimated to be $1.5 billion. Could be someone's weekend. Mm-hmm. Global news. Like <laughs> I got a weekend, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists, analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Just about 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. Nathan, a World Series no-hitter, and it only happened once before. Don Larson's perfect game against the Brooklyn Dodgers, 1956. Yankee Stadium pitchers don't throw complete games anymore, so it was a combined no-hitter. It started with the Astros' Christian Javier and ended with Ryan Presley, just like the combined no-hitter the Astros had at Yankee Stadium back in June. 
Astros blank the Phillies 5-0. The World Series is tied at 2. Heading to Game 5 tonight, the Houston manager, Dusty Baker. But they have a great offensive club over there, and they got a lot of energy in this ballpark. And uh, so it's, it's uh, man, it's a strange series. I mean, they hit five home runs yesterday, and then no hits today. I mean, this, this is a daily game, and filled with daily emotions. The only other postseason no-hitter is in 2010. That was also at Citizens Bank Park in Philly by Roy Halladay against the Reds, who were then managed by Baker. At the Garden, Knicks were rolling, led the Hawks by 23. They got outscored in the third quarter, 32-10. to 10. They had more turnovers than points. Atlanta won 112-99, led by DeMonte Murray's career-high 36 points. He had nine assists, six steals. The Nets and Kyrie Irving will both donate $500,000 to anti-hate causes. They released a statement with the Anti-Defamation League in which Irving said he's learning and is willing to listen. Last week posted a link to an anti-Semitic video. Is Dan Snyder going to sell the Washington Commanders? Their fans are certainly hoping so. He's hired Bank of America to help, quote, consider all options. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market. Lots to get to with Bloomberg Radio and TV markets correspondent Kriti Gupta this morning with some of the highlights and lowlights from the latest in earnings season. And you're starting with a pretty big lowlight here, Kriti. Yeah, a real hit to Qualcomm shares this morning. QCOM is your ticker, down by 8.2% in the pre-market. This is the biggest maker of smartphone processors. It's, of course, in the Apple supply chain. Massive presence in China uh, when we're talking about uh, just the supply chain issues that you're seeing around the world. They came out and they gave a far weaker forecast than expected. A lot of this coming not from just the macroeconomic slowdown that you're seeing, but really emphasizing the pain of those COVID-19 lockdowns in China. Nathan, as you'll remember, just a couple of days ago, we heard about uh, the region of China where four out of five iPhones are made. That area completely shut down because of the COVID lockdowns in a week, by the way, that there are rumors that this COVID zero policy may abate or at least be considered to, to abate at some point. Nevertheless, Qualcomm coping with the slowdown down in part by freezing hiring. That seems to be the big kind of red flag from a lot of these companies reporting earnings that coming from executives during the conference call. They're also talking about a buildup of extra inventory, inventory that they're going to say that they say is going to take at least two quarters to clear. So that, of course, something that you're not just seeing in the retail space, but in the chip space as well. And speaking of uh, retail, I guess we got some positive news on the e-commerce side. We did. Uh, eBay, you know, uh, I don't know if you use eBay. I have never. It's been a bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while, but they are still kicking. E-B-A-Y is your ticker. It's up about four-tenths of 1%. Now, this is a company that is really rallying the top end of their profit forecast, exceeding estimates from the street. This is potentially evidence that this is a company, this is an online marketplace that could shift to luxury items and refurbished goods. Now, you don't really associate eBay with luxury items per mm. se, but if you're actually looking at the retail space, think Nordstrom, think Macy's, they're actually thriving because they have that luxury exposure and are catering to a higher uh, clientele or a higher income clientele, I should say. So uh, eBay potentially getting in on that, but it's not alone. Etsy is one you want to watch as well. ETSY is your ticker. It's up about 11 this one actually climbing on third quarter growth rates in the fourth quarter guidance. Those numbers just impressing Wall Street across the board. And Nathan, I'm going to throw one more low light at you. Okay. Roku shares taking it on the chin. ROKU is the ticker down about 20% in wow. the pre-market. This coming after uh, they report third quarter results that missed and uh, issued a pretty scary warning about the ad market. Full disclosure, 
Roku's got a Weird Al movie coming out tomorrow. <laughs> really looking forward to it. Thank you, Creedy. Bloomberg Radio TV markets correspondent Creedy Gupta with us this morning. Stocks as a whole taking it on the chin after the Fed decision in Chairman Powell's news conference. More losses in store potentially with S&P futures down 21 points. Dow futures down 143. NASDAQ futures are lower by 75 points. Ten-year Treasury down 22. 30 seconds yield 4.19%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Sports brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and futures are falling this morning. Let's go to the first word, breaking news desk for today's morning call, and here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are under pressure right now. Dow futures down 167 points. S&P's dropped 25, and NASDAQ futures are off by 88. The U.S. 10-year-old jumps to 4.19%. Gold is down 14. Oil is in the red. And Bitcoin is trading higher by half a percent. Hong Kong fell 3% overnight, while European markets are firmly in the red this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30 initial jobs claims, at 9.45 services and composite PMIs, and at 10 o'clock factory orders and durable goods orders. After the balance night, Qualcomm gave a downbeat forecast. And regarding earnings this morning, Cigna raised its outlook and Marriott EPS was in line. In other news, people familiar said that Elon Musk plans to eliminate half of Twitter's workforce to cut costs and wrapping things up. Cognizant was cut to sector perform at RBC. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. There were three more missile tests by North Korea, including a suspected intercontinental ballistic missile that reportedly failed mid-flight. People in northern Japan awoke to sirens and were instructed to seek shelter. Christian Javier and the Astros bullpen combined for just the second no-hitter in World Series history. Houston won game four against the Phillies, five zip to even the series at two games apiece. Thursday night football, the undefeated Eagles take on the Houston Texans. The NFL's Washington Commanders could be soon for sale. Owners Dan and Tanya Snyder say that they have hired Bank of America Securities to consider potential transactions. NBA, the Knicks and Celtics lost. The Wizards won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. Michael Barr, thank you. It is 6.49 on Wall Street. And we turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. Ranked a top 100 national university by U.S. News and World Report and number 14 in the nation on money's best colleges list. Learn more at njit.edu. And here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Big job cuts on the way at Twitter. Bloomberg News has learned that new owner Elon Musk plans to eliminate about half the social media company's workforce, about 3,700 jobs. Musk intends to inform the affected staffers on Friday. Meanwhile, remaining Twitter employees will be asked to return to the office. In China, the National Health Commission says the nation's zero-tolerance approach remains a strategy to fight COVID. 
That comes after unverified social media posts boosted hopes the policy would be eased. Yesterday, China reported the most new COVID cases in more than two months. And nature has given the British government a break. The unusually warm weather in the U.K. last month brought down the cost of the government's energy subsidies by almost $296 million. The unseasonably high temperatures meant households have not switched on their heating as early as they would in a normal year. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Thanks, Karen. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it is 6.50 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include President Biden asking voters to spurn what he calls Trump's big lie in a speech on democracy. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce defending its CEO amid tensions with Republicans. Aggressive Medicare Advantage ads accused of misleading seniors. And Biden's inflation advisors include CEOs, old pals, and field hockey parents. Let's bring in Bloomberg government congressional reporter Jack Fitzpatrick for more on some of these stories, starting, of course, with the speech last night from President Biden. It was billed by Democrats and the White House as a major address on democracy. It's something that he's been talking about quite a bit on the campaign trail. And now it sounds like he might be making a closing argument here. Yeah, as we get closer to uh, the, the midterm election date, uh, it's interesting to hear the president focus on this as a closing argument, especially when uh, you had heard, uh, I think, other instances of Democrats trying to shift toward an economic message. There are Democratic pollsters who have said uh, shifting toward uh, the, the economy, what you're going to do to respond to inflation, that kind of thing. And, and, and that's something that Democrats have gotten on TV with and on the campaign trail. Uh, but this is a a very high profile, uh, late speech near the Capitol, uh, very focused on, uh, on essentially January 6th democracy. Uh, it may run the risk of making it a little unclear to voters exactly what the, the closing message is from Democrats because it's a, a bit of a, a multi-pronged approach. Uh, but he, he definitely, uh, wanted to emphasize shortly before the election, uh, just a week now, uh, that, uh, you know, in races for Congress, for, uh, state level secretary of state, that kind of thing. As he said, he, he warned of a path to chaos in America, uh, and unlawful un-American issues, uh, essentially around January 6th, as well as the assault on Paul Pelosi recently. I guess it remains to be seen whether this speech will have any impact on voters, especially since we're already into early voting in many states. But there's also an analysis uh, from Bloomberg News this morning that when it comes to election denial, that's a message that does seem to be resonating on the Republican side. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's a little tough to predict what this kind of thing is going to do uh in terms of the results in in these midterms uh of course you know this this is something that can motivate people uh it, this was clearly a, a, i think would you call a motivation speech rather than just a persuasion persuasion speech um there have been votes cast millions of vote casts already uh, mail in ballots and early voting uh, around the country but if, if you are trying to push turnout, uh, late, this is something that a, a number of Democrats in swing states have brought up 
especially when they're speaking to Democrats. Uh, so, it, yeah, it's look, the results are, are the polling is not looking fantastic for congressional Democrats around the country. Uh, but if they're trying to uh, urge their supporters to take this seriously, that seems to be the kind of thing that this speech is aimed toward. And now there's a, a little bit of gaming out of what a, a Republican takeover of Congress could mean if it does turn out that way. Uh, tell us about these tensions we're seeing between Republicans and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. This is a lobby that used to be aligned pretty closely with the Republican Party, right? Yeah, there, there have been a, a number of uh, instances in which we've seen uh, Republicans kind of move away from I guess what you'd call their, their corporate, uh, their, their alliance with corporate America in recent years. Uh, definitely some, uh, some, uh, tensions lately as we see Kevin McCarthy, uh, and others, uh, complaining about the newer, uh, CEO, Suzanne Clark. Uh, Axios originally reported that Kevin McCarthy is, is telling the, the chamber's board, uh, and its leaders at the state level that, uh, they would have to replace Clark and have a new CEO. Uh, there seems to be some pushback, uh, and, and the organization is, uh, sticking with Suzanne Clark, at least standing by her initially and saying they completely support her. Uh, but it, it, there, there have been comments from McCarthy, uh, from, um, other members in the Republican study committee that uh, about essentially a, a broader, longer term plan to have a less cozy relationship with the groups like the Chamber of Commerce and essentially corporate America uh, than they did in previous years. And this it seems to seems to be probably the the highest profile uh most personal uh sort of uh, potentially vendetta uh within that broader issue. In our last minute here Jack I've got to turn to this great story on the Bloomberg Terminal this morning about President Biden's uh wide and rather unorthodox circle of economic advisors. Yes, uh you know some names you might expect uh, obviously, uh, he, he has talked lately to Larry Summers, that is, um, uh, somebody who's been uh, critical of, uh, of, uh, of, of some decisions that Democrats have made lately. He's, he's checked in with some of the classic Democratic, uh, economic advisors and people who've had a role in, uh, past, uh, past administrations, Tim Geithner, uh, Hank Paulson, that kind of thing. Um, you know, the, you, you see a, a very wide list of names as a president who has, um, come in with an economic vision to, to respond to, uh, a certain set of circumstances and then very quickly responding to the, the unexpectedly high levels of inflation. Somebody who maybe came in trying to get a little bit of everything, uh, Marty Walsh, a, a high profile person from the left who he initially went to, uh, but it, you know, it, probably a little less from the Wall Street types that, uh, some recent Democrats have, have gone with. Uh, I think essentially the takeaway, a very wide range of voices. 
Yeah, and the interesting anecdotes in this story as well about the president kind of getting random encounters with people and that sort of uh, feeding into his uh, economic outlook as well. Jack Fitzpatrick of Bloomberg Government, thanks for this. You can read all about these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Listen to Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Futures pointing to a lower open this morning. Bloomberg surveillance up next, taking you to the Bank of England decision for Karen Moss. I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.